0: Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Buey, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering, what a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm, so you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Hey, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, we had a little technological glitch, so we're putting this on our business page right now. Caitlin will get it in the Maximum Lawyer Group where it belongs. For some reason, the Maximum Lawyer Group would not pull up on my little drop-down menu. (laughs) And so I had to just make do. But welcome. This is the Maximum Mom Podcast. We're supposed to be live streaming in the Maximum Lawyer Group. We made a little adjustment and I am here with one of my associates, Amy, who is just really awesome that you agreed to join me today because I think you offer a very unique perspective on many things and you'll get to answer a burning question that I get from many of my listeners and you don't know what that burning question is yet. so (laughs) I think that'll be fun. So welcome. Thanks, Amy, for coming.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me here. It's always a delight to talk to
0: you. Well, I appreciate that. And I always start my podcast with what I perceive to be the most important thing is the family part. As you may or may not know, this podcast is all about being a mom, a lawyer, and an entrepreneur. And so one of the things that obviously we talk about is the mom part a lot. So. I would love to hear your mom part. Who's in your family? What does your family look like? Tell us about your fur babies, everybody.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I've got a quite a robust family for sure. Um, And it's a huge part of my life. And the reason why I actually ended up becoming a lawyer in the first place. So I love that it's the most important to you. I have my beautiful spouse, Rain. We, at well, we're about to hit 25 years. So been a little bit. I, I met her when I was 19 years old and she was 20. So been, been with her my entire adult life, um, which is an adventure in and of itself. She has a very busy job. She is not home a lot right now during the pandemic because she's kind of a first responder and is, that's making things really challenging. We have three kids. My daughter is the oldest. She's 16. She's a sophomore. Um, and then my middle boy, EJ, is 14. He's a freshman. Um, and then my youngest, Cameron, who's rounding out the deal, is in fourth grade. He just turned 10. And he's just, it, all of my kids are very different for very different reasons, like everyone's family. But my youngest is, he's just waiting for facial hair and the ability to drink beer. He's just the funniest little kid and i spend most of my time with him right now because of the on, online schooling thing so I'm, it's it's a typical day that i am in here you know hashing out a memorandum on some obscure part of family law and then running into the kitchen to help with fractions and then letting the dog out and it's it's busy we have three dogs all well two of them are rescue dogs and it's it's true story so my my wife was an only child Um, Her parents had very busy careers and she was not really allowed to have pets. It was kind of just a thing. They just didn't think they could take care of them, had time for them. So we have throughout our marriage, our our pet census has gone up and down, but it's always critically high. (laughs) (laughs) If there's bandwidth, then a pet joins our family. Um, So I think we're at eight cats. I'd honestly have to think about it. I'm pretty sure we're at eight. We were at nine there for a little bit, but I think we're at eight. Yeah, that's right. There's eight. Um, And, you know, there's turtles and fish and other things. I don't really count them because the kids do those on their own, but it's busy. It's busy.
0: I love that. I just, I love that so much. I mean, I think (laughs) it gives you such an interesting perspective, though, just even on the clients we deal with, you know, because you do busy. I mean, you,
1: it's part of who you are. In my, in my usual, when I'm, when I'm first meeting with a client, I, I, I tell them and I tell them with all sincerity, I know how to use a minute and oh, yeah. I think that's helpful. And people are paying money a lot of times that they can't really afford to be spending. No one's saving up towards their divorce one day, you know, right. it's not a fund people are working that's, on. So that's an idea though, Amy, we should encourage that. <laughs> you know, if, if only we had an education class when people had to get their marriage license, yeah, I think it would be invaluable, but I know how to use a minute. And and it's something that I bring into my practice because you, you have to, you have to, you have to maximize that time for your clients. They're, they're, they're already stretched thin and then put, put a family, something tragedy or divorce or something on top of it. And that's the least that we can do for them. I think. Absolutely.
0: Well, and I just, I love that. I mean, we also are a high bandwidth family where, yes. you know six kids in a blended family. I think at our highest though we had seven pets, which I thought was a fair amount. You know, I was always like, okay, who's feeding who? <laughs> right? So there was definitely a few glitches, I must admit. We have the one infamous story of Doug leaving one time to go to Guam. He had to do some work thing. And so I'm there with the kids, the pets, and one of the sons had surgery. So he had knee surgery, which uh-huh. he had a lot of knee surgery. So I think it was knee surgery number two. So, you know, by then we were getting a little bit good at, but we weren't as professional as we got later. But so there we are. And all of a sudden our dog is missing. One of the dogs is just gone. We have no idea. And then I figure out the gate had been left open. And so the dog had just walked out of the gate. So, I mean, we are freaking out, freaking Looking sure. for this dog. I mean, we are running through the neighborhood. Next thing I know, I look around. My son, who just had knee surgery, is running through the neighborhood. Um, and oh. I was like, oh, no. I'm like, dude, you are supposed to be in bed. Like, oh, this no. is not the protocol post surgery. You've running around. And He was like, I'm the one who left the gate open. Everyone will kill me if I don't find this dog. (laughs) And literally, so we find the dog. I mean, at the end of our neighborhood, way by, there's this park that Doug used to walk the dog to. Uh And we joke that, I mean, the dog, somebody found the dog and tied it to a tree And so we were running through the neighborhood. There we are, find our dog. And the kids were like, he was going to Guam. He just wanted to find Doug because he knew, Mom, you weren't going to do such a good
1: job. Oh, that's gold. Mom burned. (laughs) Looks for greener pastures. That's funny. We did. We have have very similar. We had a couple. One, this is a a while ago when we, we first had Adia. We had a cat. Her name was Bedelia. Best cat I've ever had just fiercely independent. She must've been an Amazon warrior in a previous life. She just, the only, she did not like humans. She's like She tolerated us. We had a black lab named Mo. She slept with Mo every night on his dog bed. She would uh, escort us on our walks at night. We've always walked the dogs every night. That's kind of and randomized thing. Um, but the, she would come with us on the walk. We'd go for miles, but just like, but she had this look like you're you're too dumb to be out alone and so I'm gonna like chaperone like it was not like a she was joining us out of joy it was like a job and uh when we had Adia and it started to get loud around the house and things she kind of came in one day and looked around and she moved in with the neighbor like just left our house and moved in with the neighbor and with she had this thing when she was mad she would coo like a pigeon kind of People thought it was cute, but it was like the warnings. Like she gave me a warning. Right? Oh, yeah. like, oh, like And when she would see us like at the mailbox and stuff, she'd just give us this like, don't like, just, I don't live with you anymore. I've broken up with you. It was like a divorce of the cat. We did. And when we left, um, when we had to move, the neighbors were nervous that we were going to want our cat back. And we were like, she picked you. We respect her that. She now lives with you. So, that is hilarious. That's the only pet we've ever had that's consciously made a decision that our family was not working for it anymore and like chose to leave. All the other ones are very happy. But, <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! I think pets are some of the most humbling things to have mm-hmm. around. Like I just find pets to be so helpful for my mental health in all, I mean, there's times when I'm dealing with clients, and I'll just talk to my dog or my cat, and yeah. and I can like yeah. really talk through things. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we have one of those dogs that does that twisty head so much, <laughs> you know? and so I'll be telling her these really important things, and she's like, you know, and she'll really twist her head, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, Maya is really listening to me.
1: <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Maya. Made me feel better. Such a beautiful thing. That's I love good. that. Well, tell
0: us a little bit about your lawyer part. Like how long have you been practicing law? What do you love about family law? What do you hate
1: about family law? Oh, sure. Well, how long's your podcast? Um, there's, uh, yeah, I I went to law school a little later in life. And my, my lovely wife, she's a clinical psychologist. And so she was in school. I can't even count how many years, seven, six, seven. So we kind of swapped. So she went first. And then we started adding babies to the brood. And then I am a a maximizer of time and efficiency. So my goal is how will I always have the maximum amount of time with my family and make enough, like be able to maximize my hourly income so that I can like Like push that down as much as I can, but also have ultimate flexibility and be able to work as long as I can. And then of course, with our responsibilities and children and things, I'm like, how can I work like basically into like my old age? Cause retirement's not a thing for people my age. It's just not, that's a dream that sailed in the last, (laughs) last generation. Um, And so law school was something that I I wanted to do for my family. Really just, I wanted to pick something that I thought I could help people. It, it, I really was looking for a nexus of how can I max maximize my effectiveness in my community, but also have time with my family. And law was the perfect intersection of those things for me. Yep. I worked at Seattle U, Seattle University, a long time ago. I like worked on campus. I was um, worked in the events. And so I, I was actually there. I was one of the people that helped bring the law school from... University of Puget Sound, where it was purchased pod hoc up to Seattle and help it open that building. And so I knew when I was ready to go to law school, that's where I was gonna go. Um, And I, I, this isn't really with a question that you asked, but when I was getting ready to start law school, Uh, Rain was pregnant with our third child. And I was like, this is perfect. Law school will be three years, maybe three and a half if I got to work in some divorce prevention timing in there, which ended up happening. And then he'll be ready, like finishing up preschool, heading into kindergarten, and I can start practicing. And that actually worked out pretty good. I mean, there was some pain. I figure, you know, three kids, Rain's babies don't sleep. So I was already not sleeping anyway. I'm going to be up all hours of the night. I don't want to get through that period of my life and have things start to improve and get better and then go to law school. I'm just crushing the pain in baby, all of it at once. We actually have a great picture of me with, I, I just had it, law school's reading, right? I mean, 99% of it's reading yeah. <laughs> and there's pictures of me all over the house doing these just funny family things. And there's a law book like propped up. <laughs> or the, you know, the iPads propped up with my book, but like literally like shampooing a kid's hair with my head over, like reading whatever I was case I was working on. Mm -hmm. There's a picture where I'm, I'm at the, the art table upstairs. The kids had a huge art table and my books are on it and there's art supplies and like Dr. Pepper cans. And one of my kids is like, kind of like passed out, like halfway on like the napping chair. And the baby is like, wrapped up like a papoose and in the dog bed, like the, because our dogs are big, like those big beds, the baby's like asleep. And it just, that was our lives for three years. But you know, we, we all survived and we got through it. So it worked, I, I I enjoy school, I love school. If I If I had, if I was independently wealthy, I would just get degree after degree after degree. There's just, the world is such an amazing place and there's so much to learn. I would just, that's what I would do. I would, I would rehab old houses and I would go to school if I was. That is awesome. I love that.
0: Uh, I so love that you found that we found each other. I mean, talk about an amazing fit for a person like you who wants to have that, you know, be able to to take care of your kids and run and help with math and walk your dog in the middle of the day, or, you know what I mean? Help your son build something in the yard. And just, I, I'm just so grateful. And I love that you are who you are because I mean, it is exactly why I started our firm, which interestingly today is our six year anniversary Woo! of our firm, which oh, yeah, I, that's free. I thought it was so awesome that you and I were doing this because when I think of why I started our office, I mean, it was solely so that I could be around and take care of my children, go on trips with my husband, because he had this job that he traveled everywhere internationally. And I was like, how am I, what I mean, we get married, then I'm never going to be able to go anywhere. I was like, that's silly. And. And I thought, what an amazing opportunity for my children. And but then I was like, I got to pay for all of them to go to college like soon. And so it was this whole thing. And in finding attorneys like you who kind of get that in such an intrinsic way mm-hmm. and who live it, who who want to be around their families and who love the virtual nature of what we do so that you don't have to leave every morning and be gone all day, especially now in
1: the pandemic. I just couldn't. That's been the most heartbreaking part of, of, of having to try to figure out how to finance a family and have a family, right. Is, is I think so many men and women, but moms, especially just agonize over that, how to that time piece of it, how much time. And when the kids are little, they do, they need, they need the time, right. As they get older it's different, right? I mean, teenagers understand the nature of time and can compartmentalize and they have their own desires, but when they're little, you just, you don't get another chance to do that. And I just, I couldn't, I could not have been away. I just couldn't have. And I don't, I mean, that, that's me personally. Like my wife is the exact opposite of that. She stayed home with our oldest daughter for six or seven months and was like, I can't do this. Like I need to go back to work. Right. and it, and it works for us. But I, I, I have always known that I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And we made huge sacrifices while Rain was in grad school. And then when I went to grad school, because I just, that was so fundamental to me. I just, I had to be here. Someone had to be here. Yeah, I felt the exact same way. I just made it work. I could before, right before law school, my job right before law school was I worked at Costco which was an amazing company, an amazing job. Yeah, It worked from two in the morning until nine 30 in the morning and then switched the babies off and rain would do grad school. And it was just, it was worth it to me. It was the timing of it was worth. And when I started law school, I didn't care about the classes. I I just, I, I only had Mondays and Wednesdays. It was it. My Rain worked four tens, so she was with the kids on Monday. And my mom, for that first two years, took Wednesdays off of her job. And whatever classes were between noon and 9 p.m., those were the classes that I took. Nice. And, and it actually was a nice way to do it because there were classes I would never have signed up for that I absolutely enjoyed. And wow. so I kind of just took it on as an adventure. I have, you know what, this is what I have to give to this piece of my life. And, and, and same thing, maximize it, right? Like, this is the time I have, what can I do with that time? Right. And uh, it was, it was, it was enjoyable. I I loved it. I loved law school, but it was, you know.
0: Was I day. loved law school too. I think that is so it. interesting because so many people do not love law school and they were not like, I loved law school. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. fascinating. I would sit in class and just be like, whoa, I didn't know that. Check that out. <laughs> So I just, and I think one of the things people got so wrapped around the axle about being called on in law school, I was so comfortable being called on. I'm afraid I've been so comfortable in my dumb blonde self since I was a very (laughs) little girl. So I was like, the guy could call on me, whoever it was. And I'd be like, "Mm, I didn't read that or whatever it was like, and I was just completely unpulsed by it. Whereas other people were like, Elise, you cannot say that out loud, and I'm like, sure. I was like, but that's the truth. Like, like let's just, you know, real people, exactly let's be real people. And so then they would sometimes keep me on the hot seat. I mean, there were some professors that kind of thought that was fun. And being that I am, I think kind of a natural litigator in my personality. I love that. I was like, all right, we can play this game. Like you keep me on the hot seat. I'll answer your questions and we're going to just go back and forth and do whatever. And it was fine. And, um, I love, though, the learning in law school, but I didn't find it all that practical once it came down to oh. being an attorney. I was like, whoa, they missed a lot of the practical aspect of this.
1: You don't learn, I don't know if I'm I allowed to cuss on this thing. Yeah. You know, jack shit about how be, how to be a lawyer in law school. Nothing. You learn the history of the law You learn how to find some law if you're lucky. And you learn that the personality traits that you need to have to be able to go find answers for people. I think you get that. The Socratic method's good for that, which by the way, I think moms do great with Socratic method because bring your question. I'm not afraid of your question, you know? Like, and don't be rude, right? Like that was my big thing. Like, you, you know, you can be a Socratic teacher and not be rude. I, I said that to one of my professors once. Like you can be, you can be a nice Socratic method person. You, you really can. But it was, it, it, I don't know. Something about that whole process, I think helps shape, you kind of have to be like because and especially i think for family law like getting pummeled like that that's a pretty early experience as a family lawyer and you have to be able to build up a tolerance for some of that but in terms of practicing learn nothing just Nothing. nothing. nothing
0: I used to say that it, I think it makes sense for people before they go to law school to take a bar review class just so they know what they're supposed to be trying to learn. Because I don't even think you get that in law school. And then you take the bar review class and you're like, oh, that's what I was supposed to be learning in secured transactions. I kind of missed that. And I mean, you know, it was, I found the bar review class to be more interesting as far as understanding what the practical aspects were. But that was interesting because obviously the whole bar exam is about knowing nothing and spotting every issue known to mankind. But you don't need, well, at least I took all essay bar exams, except I did take one multiple choice in Minnesota. But in the essay exams, I mean, it was all like, could you spot the 2001 issues? You don't have to know how to resolve any of them because Lord knows what the resolution would be, but you just have to be (laughs) able to spot them all tell them all what the you know different law you know the tests were like what are the factors you would look at in all the things I was like oh I can find questions galore (laughs) like you know but getting any answers out of law school is just not even a thing
1: oh no and it used you know it used to be a million years ago law was it was an apprenticeship and you, you basically were a little you know, mini minion to a lawyer who knew how to do it. And you practiced under that person until you were good enough to do it on your own. And then when this idea of degrees came by to like legitimate, you know, right. what you know, but it swung too far the other way. I mean, you could, you could take like the first, you know, one L year, right. All the fundamentals of everything, take the bar exam, and then the rest of it could be practical application and you'd learn way more, way, way more.
0: Yeah, I found I clerked for a federal judge for two years right out of law school, and that was super helpful. Like I felt like that was much like that kind of apprenticeship because you are literally hooked to this jurist who, you know, hopefully has knowledge and that quest for knowledge and is always looking into things. And so and we would have these, I mean, knock down, drag out things where we would go over motions and we'd have to go every Sunday night and we'd go over our motions and lemonade before trials on Monday. And I mean, we would like be in war with each other. I'd be like, no, this should be denied. And he'd be like, uh, no, you know, and then we'd be in there whipping out our Westlaw, and, you know, having like kind of battles of the research. And it was pretty interesting. And I found that I learned so much practical stuff from him and You know, just I mean, he was a he is a brilliant human. And I just found like all that intellectual rigor was really helpful. And he was a new jurist, which was so beneficial Sure because he really trying to be and learn and, and do the right thing, you know, cause he had come up obviously as an attorney, he'd been an attorney for 30 years and it was wonderful to watch somebody learn to switch off that advocacy and be the one, you know, in that neutral position, like evaluating all the different things and making a decision. I felt like I learned so much about how a judge thinks, which was super helpful.
1: Super helpful. And I, it's, you know, that's something that I would love to see more of in family law in general. I just, that it's, there's so much law missing from family law. Uh, It, it, especially when you get into superior courts that, you know, you're hearing the same kind of cases in and out. And it ends up being about that particular case. And so much ends up being this kind of, gut call. I mean, the, I don't think any jurist would ever admit that, but they really are kind of making a gut call about the character of your clients, which of course is important in family law, but where's the law piece of it, right? I mean, you, there's been times where I've had either motions for revision or or even like a, establishing a parenting plan. And, and the first thing that I w- I've always done, go to the statute. What is it they're supposed to evaluate to make a parenting plan? But a lot of times when, especially an oral argument, if you're actually arguing to the law, you've wasted your client's time because that's not what they want to hear. So it's, it's a really interesting, I always tell my clients, it's like the wild West, like, yeah, rules and law are important, but, but it's all in the, it's all in how it gets administered, you know, and people find that kind of confusing. And a lot of times I equate it to football for people, right. Where I'm like, you know, you don't... Okay, it's like football, right? The rules are the same. You know the rules, right? But why do you watch every single game? You have no idea what's going to happen, right? None. Exactly. Every family law cases like that, right? It's just, I can't tell you the outcomes just because I know the law. And you can in other areas of law. You really can. insurance law, you know what's going to happen, right? And that's why I've just... Practicing family law has ruined me for any other area of the law, just because of that, that extra piece, you really do have to be on your feet, you have to know your client, you have to remember their goals, you have to keep them in mind, because that's maybe rightly so, maybe not, but that's more important, I think, sometimes than the actual stuffy case law. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time program will be offered
0: for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. Well, and I think the other added piece in family law that's so fascinating is the court's overriding goal of the best interest of the child Mm -hmm. and trying to explain. I mean, I love those cases where really both parents don't have the best interest of the child at heart, pretty obviously. And the court literally is looking at two attorneys arguing back and forth. And then the court is like, uh, I'm ignoring all of you and we're jettisoning everything that's just been said. And, you know, they're like, the best interest of the child, and this is what I'm going to do. And and obviously, that's sometimes stunning, I think, to parents to watch that happen, because they're like, whoa, how, how did we both just get kind of lost, you know, and the judge is doing something completely different. And I know as a guardian ad litem, I mean, oftentimes, I feel like I stand in that place where, you know, I'm encouraging a judge to like, ignore all of this, you know, like let's focus on what this child needs because this child is falling through the cracks in such a big way. And um, I find family law, those psychological dynamics to be fascinating and to watch them in action, especially in a courtroom, you know, because it's like, okay, um, I'm going to go drop a little hand grenade now in the plan that your attorneys have crafted
1: and it's so necessary and it's interesting even even since i've really started li- like focusing solely on family law that was about 2014 it's been interesting to watch the courts as this kind of 50-50 parenting plan idea has become more mainstream i guess and uh, that best interest of the child i really i think about that and i struggle with that a lot because a lot of people now and, and some jurists as well are like that's almost the default. Like we're going to assume that that's the best for the child and then work backwards. And then you have some old school jurists who are the other way around about it. Right. And then it, it it's interesting to, to see that kind of play out. And I struggle with it as an attorney with parents who when I, you know, your clients are, I want the maximum amount of time with my kid and having conversations about, okay, well, but what does that mean? Quality time, quantity time, why, wow. Um, you know, overnights versus awake time. And that's another huge disservice. I think that happens in family law now. And I think some of it's technologically related about counting overnights. Like I get, we have to count time somehow, right. But overnights, I feel like the technology has come far enough where we don't need that anymore. And it, it damns a lot of parenting plans to, to fight, Because that's the standard that we're going by. And I think if even that one thing was allowed to change, it would give me so much more room with my clients to be more creative. It is. I mean, it is the
0: hugest thing I think that needs changing is that battle over the numbers of overnights and how it's tied to child support, because it's like, seriously, So many parents, I think if they actually sat down minus the money fight and the money elephant in the room could come up with a parenting plan that actually serves the child's best interest. And then let's work out the money piece completely separately, looking at income and reality of expenditures. And then let's go forward. And the child then, in my mind, they've got the best parenting plan that serves them emotionally, physically, academically, you know, all the things they need. And then the financial pieces overlaid. And I think it's insanity that we have it tied. I think it creates conflict. And I think it just simply creates parenting plans that aren't developmentally appropriate often. Not at all.
1: And, and it's, they're not responsive to people's lives now. Right. And the hours people are up and the hours where people are working and what's happening with kids in school. Like it, it, there's, there's no way for our current parenting plans to be responsive to that. I agree. I when agree. When you have those overarching things in the back of everyone's mind and, and it, it's hard. I mean, you, I always tell people we're, we're kind of the family, family lawyers are are kind of can be equated to car salesmen in, in and of that we are in the section of population that's already skewed to conflict, right? Like the, the the people that are divorcing, I call them the kumbaya divorces. And I mean that with utmost love and respect in my heart, we never meet them, right? So there are people out there who have, have agreed between them because there's still enough love and respect there to say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those standards, those aren't going to work for us. So we're going to do this. And they're the most effective, right? Absolutely. But we never meet them. So we're already starting in a situation where communication is not there. And given these kind of sticks and twigs and we're trying to make fire in the rain for people and it can be done, right. But it could be a little easier. (laughs) It could just be a little easier. So I don't know. I don't even know how we got to this part of it, but I just, I like to try to talk to my clients and it's one of the things I appreciate about you the most. and, and really clicked when I first met you was this this need for creativity and raising my family the way I'm raising my family. I know if people are motivated towards creativity, you're going to come up with something that's going to work.
0: Completely. Really I mean, are. and to me it is, it's kind of the secret sauce of life to me, the I think of my creativity and my ability to think outside the box. And I look at the things I've done with my own family and children. And we, I mean, some weird things, let me tell you, but it's what worked, you know, and it's what we needed at the time. And if I had just done the, this is the normal approach, we're going to stick with this normal approach. I mean, I'd have a few kids and we'd have been banging our heads against the wall for years, you know? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now the burning question I have to ask is because I have to ask you, and you are free to give the nitty-gritty, down and dirty, horrible answer. But I've had people say, okay, at least you have to have somebody from your office on this, and then we must know what it is really like to work with you. So you can give the whole hot mess. I mean, you are free to just say the real deal because I think that. I I want people to, one of the things that in this podcast and in reaching out to our community is, you know, people, they'll be like, oh, your firm has done so well. Your firm has succeeded in the pandemic. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's been a hot mess too. I mean, and as we know, and you know, I mean, there's been a lot of struggles that we have to overcome and we have to get through. And so, I mean, tell us just a little bit about what it is like working in a virtual firm and, you know, working with people who you've not met face to face and you deal with on Slack or, you know, at a Christmas party or whatever.
1: It, You know, it, I'm, I gotta say, I'm, I'm mostly, i mostly a lot of, I, and I'm being absolutely 100% honest. And part of that I think is is unique to me. And part of that I think is uh, unique to how this fits in just in how I want to raise my family. And part of it's unique to you. And uh, I, I, it sounds like you, you got asked this kind of teasingly, but I, I've got to say, I mean, one of the, the best things that happened to me last year was meeting you and and getting to hear someone who's so... Clearly cares about the people first and the job second, and that doesn't mean that everything always works out perfect and you know, it's roses every day. But you can get through most things that way. You can, and and having respect for people and compassion for people's situations—it's the ball game. And and the hardest part, I think, as the firm goes forward um, and gets bigger, is going to be to how to balance that with with boundaries okay. because the, the working world still has to, there's still things that have to, you know, bills have to get paid. Right. And so how do, how do we do that and, and maintain our care for each other? That is something that I would happily work for all day and night. And and I think that's part of it too, is I, you know, right before this job, I, I worked at a firm. I, I loved it there as well. I, I was, I had no complaints, um, but there's just this, this extra, I don't, I don't even know how to put it into words. I'm kind of fumbling for them, but you just emit this compassion that is just needed. It just in the world in general, it's needed in family law and it's needed for moms who are trying to work and and raise families. And you can do both. It's not easy. It's never going to be easy, but to work for someone who understands that is just so relieving. And, and to know that there's flexibility there if I need it. But also knowing that that means that, you know, 110% has to go in to keep it, to keep it working, you know? Right.
0: Yeah, it's a balance.
1: It's an interesting balance. It is, but I would rather struggle with that balance than just making money that does okay. not satisfying, you know? And I, I could struggle all day long with trying to balance out work in my family. As long as I've got someone who gets that, that's the goal. Right. And totally it, it, the virtual thing can be really challenging. And um, mm-hmm. it's, I love it, frankly, one, because I hate wearing dress clothes. So this has been fantastic. I don't even like if court ever goes back to like in person, I'm gonna to have to. I don't even know what's gonna fit. What's not gonna fit? Like, I I don't know if I could find my suit right now. I'm sure it's in a closet somewhere. Um, that part's amazing. I love that part so much. Um, I'm very introverted. So now that I've met everybody, met in quotation marks, right. it's easier. But I will say when I first started working in a virtual environment, I that my anxiety. I, I had to work on my anxiety, and that's because I get so much of my cues about whether or not I'm I'm making a solid connection with someone from being in a room with them sure. and being able to read their cues, that that connection to me is really important. I mean, that sometimes too important, I think. Um, and it's been interesting to do that in a virtual setting. I think it has helped because the pandemics, people's expectations are different now mm-hmm. and I hope they never go back to the way that they were because this is, people have just really figured out. I think that this can be such an, Technology can be an incredible tool towards incredible. Yeah. being With your family. Right. But it, I'm trying to think if there's a downside or something awful about it so far, I haven't hit one. I mean, I've got to be honest. I think maybe the technology piece, I got to say that that's a little bit more of a struggle. I mean, I was very spoiled in my last job where I could, you know, there was a technology person on site. Cause that's my biggest deficit. I, you know, I'm in like an old lady gardener in my mind. Like technology is the furthest thing away from what I'm good at. So I, but you know, then I, when I figured out my teenagers could help me then I was better. So they come in and help me fix stuff all the time.
0: Yeah. I have to use my son too. And Mike, we have an it guy who unfortunately is so used to my stupid <laughs> questions. I'm just like, here I am again, Mike with another one. But he's so patient, which, and hopefully you've been able to use him because he is very patient and kind, I find.
1: Oh, he's a great guy. He's absolutely a great guy. It's just, it's weirder just for me to do it in the, in a virtual setting, right? And I, one of the, the, now that I'm thinking about it, the other struggle I'm kind of have been having, I'm better about it now, is when, with, with my job always so accessible, I'm actually working more than I would probably have if I was still downtown in an office. And so I've had to be better about my time, like off logging, like leaving my phone on my desk totally, to turn it off because it's just always there. And and that's an amazing positive, but it's also something I have to be cognizant of. Absolutely. I think
0: we all do. I mean, that is something I know I've learned to try to keep my phone out of my bedroom. You know, when I go to bed at night, I leave it somewhere else. But then there's the, the struggle of what if my kids need me? So, you know, but we have this deal that if they need me at a certain times at night, they would call Doug's phone because Doug just doesn't have the same level of, you know, people bothering him. Sure. So he can bring his phone into the room and it's not as much of a thing. But um, yeah, I've, I really it's so good. Good to hear that you see the value in the fact that we do care about our families and we care about our team's families to the point where, I mean, it is so critical to me and why I started our office and what I want to accomplish is working in a law firm just should not suck. I mean, bottom line, it should be a very rewarding, great job where you can use your intellect. You can be challenged. You can help people. You can have great rapport with coworkers that are very intelligent, interesting people. And you can be a great mom, you know, be whatever it is you want to be somewhere else, but you can be your best self in all the different settings. And I feel like that is one of the big things that at least when I was coming along as a lawyer, I mean, I did insurance defense. I mean, we build 2,400 hours a year, like that was just standard. I mean, I I did insane things to try to see my children during their waking hours because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I had to go to work at three in the morning so I could be there when the children were awake because otherwise I would get there when the children were sleeping and I'd, you know, I mean, I never saw them. And I was like, well, why did I have children? And I mean, it really struck me and I'll never forget this, sitting in my home in New Orleans, sitting at my breakfast table, my daughter goes and opens the refrigerator and she's speaking in Spanish because our nanny was Spanish and she's asking me for something in Spanish. And I had no idea what she was asking me. And she started melting down. And this was like, I don't know, maybe nine o'clock at night. And I mean, she probably shouldn't have still been awake. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of issues, but I hadn't seen her. You know, I didn't get home till 7 30, blah, blah, blah. So I literally called my nanny and put her on the phone so that katie could tell her what she wanted so i could know what she wanted and i literally said at that moment i was like fuck this like this has to change right here right now like this cannot be my child's existence Mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong her nanny was the greatest human on the planet treated her amazingly well like probably did a better job than I did every day. Like, and when I ended up quitting, I actually quit my job and stayed home with my children full time for a while. I cried so hard letting my nanny go. Cause I felt like I was harming my children by taking my nanny away from them that's how wonderful i thought she was but i just thought this is crazy like i've got to be able to be here for my children and and then i stayed home with them for a long time a good decade and when i came back you know was going through divorce the whole bit i realized i was like i'm being asked to choose between being a good mom and being a good lawyer and i mean it was clear as day i would get these job offers and it was a choice I was being asked to make. And mm-hmm. I thought there's no way I can make that choice. Like there's, in my mind, there was no choosing. I mean, I was like, I'm just going to be flat broke and I'm going to stay a good mom. Like, I mean, that was my, where my heart was. And and so I became very committed
1: to, there has to be a way to be both. You've got there, to be. And there, there. is, and it's it giving up that, that ego prestige piece of a lawyer, right? And I think some of that is, is switching generationally, which I find incredibly relieving. Of like, People don't necessarily want the you know high-rise corner office anymore, right? They want flexibility. And I think totally. it's the direct result of, of children that were raised with parents who had to make that choice mm-hmm. and, and everybody in doing the best they can. But I think Sometimes I think when I when I take that ten thousand foot view and, and my wife will attest I go on my sociological rants. My undergrad was in sociology. We have made a society that does not support families right. at oh, all. Sure. Like you cannot even just the, the basic statistics about you know in you know in the nineteen fifties. On average, families spent about twenty hours a week altogether. Right. And now it's less than five. Yeah. You cannot sustain a marriage. You cannot parent your children on five hours a week. That's just unbelievably awful. And yeah. people are struggling to balance things. And it's just it, it, it takes someone like you and a lot of people in this new generation to just reject the basic premise that that it has to be the choice. Right. The answer is right. just. I say no to you asking me that question and there are ways to do it. And there's there, I remember being on the, the playground with lots of moms and you know, you'd go drop your kid off in the morning and you go pick your kid up in the afternoon and a bunch of us, I mean, w- you would have never known, but there was a whole bunch of us that were lawyers, right? We're in our sweats and nobody's done their hair, And you've got, you know, your kids lunch on your shirt and stuff and that people weren't, women weren't practicing because they just, they, they couldn't. And, and I think the kind of tool that you're making, right, which is how much do you want to work? How do we set a salary that makes sense with how much you actually have to give to your job right now? And it might go up and it might go down as your time changes and your children age, but it can be done. It can be done. Well, in listening to your law school story, it even
0: gives me further just oomph that we are headed in the right direction in that regard because like you had Monday and Wednesday and that's what you gave. And sometimes we're going to find lawyers to work for us who they can only give Monday and Wednesday, but they're going to give 150% on Mondays and Wednesdays. And our clients will benefit from that. And I don't have to then shun them because somehow they don't fit into some salary scheme that is easy because one, that person 10 years from now could be my best Monday through Friday attorney when their children are gone and out of the house. Absolutely. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe they've gone, they've gone somewhere else. And but they're going to be a major sponsor of our whole idea of we did support them for their Monday and Wednesday you know, hours. And I think that matters so much because I think the talent that is out there in the world for female lawyers is just unbelievable. And it gets missed. I think it gets missed so much because of owners and law firms who just will look at things the way it always has been nine to five, Monday through Friday, stick on your suit, show up at the office. And I just think that is a bygone era that, I mean, in my mind, we should just be kicking it to the curb. And I think this pandemic is going to be, I am so hopeful that this pandemic is gonna be the true transformation women need and the law industry needs to see that we women can rock the hell out of our roles. Give us the freedom, give us the flexibility, give us the tools and give us an girl every so often when we're up at midnight, burping a baby, writing a brief, you know, <laughs> making sure the other kid's birthday party is planned the next morning
1: in pandemic fashion. And you're golden. Yeah, it can, and- it can be. that's another thing I love about what you're doing is, and I think will be helpful is trying to switch to more of like a team model and getting away from one client, one attorney that, that, that is not a system that I think moms can, can adhere to and be able to sleep at night. Totally. I, I really don't because ultimately, I mean, if you're the attorney on the case, that is your case, right? Everything falls to you. It's your license on the line. Um, but if you have a team of attorneys, and you know you know you're going to have a busy week, or you know like like for instance we were just talking about this, my kids are going to have two weeks off in March, right? Right? And so I'm already looking at my calendar and trying to figure out how to make that mostly writing time, right? Like either prepping for motions or things where I'm not going to have to be, my attention is going to have to be elsewhere, and I can move those writing pieces around. And it can be done with practice, but if I had, you know, if there was another attorney in the firm and we have them, right. (laughs) Who can be like, oh, well, you know what, if you have, you know, if you have to make an appearance on that week, I'll just make the appearance, right. And, and normalizing that for our clients. And that that's, that's harder because you know, that, that you need that trust there. But if they're trusting us as a firm, I think we can do that. And, but it's going to take an immense amount of trust for us to have in each other. And, and that that will be an interesting journey, I think, to well, see how, think, how, how tight we can make that. And
0: I think we can. I think that is part of also when you think of firm-wide training so that things get done systematically where everyone has the same knowledge, the same expertise, the same ability to cover, you know. Where, Yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting for you and I to talk about. There's always so many things you and I can talk about. I love that because the improvements that can be made are just, I don't, know I mean, I see so many things that we can improve upon and I love working with other team members who are as engaged with the idea of making it work because mm-hmm. you you've got buy in on yes we're going to make this work and it makes all of our lives better all of our children's lives better all of our marriages better i mean there's big big stakes in my mind you know and mm-hmm. making things work better is small potatoes compared to the benefits we get and so right. i love that i really appreciate your time today amy i really do i know you're busy and I appreciate it. And it's been nice talking to you and you and I, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. But um, and I'm really sorry we weren't able to put this live on the Maximum Lawyer, but we on the back end will get it live. And so but I appreciate people's patience with my technological
1: snafu this morning. Always. It's always wonderful to talk to you and your your energy and your your ability to keep dreams going. It's easy to put those off for a couple of decades and think, I'll just get back to that. But you don't have to. And you're a wonderful reminder that that should just continue and should still be the guiding principle. that, that, that makes me smile every day.
0: (laughs) I love. Well, I appreciate appreciate it. it. Yeah. And you have a great rest of your day and enjoy, and hopefully it'll clear out. We've had a pretty gray few days here in the Pacific Northwest, but still beautiful though. Gray. You take care. Okay. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to the maximum mom podcast, a production of maximum lawyer media. Be sure to subscribe to the show. So you never miss an episode. See you next time.